Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Criterium de Dauphiné Stage 2 and a quick Stage 1 recap. We weren't able to pod yesterday, unfortunately, but we're back with a pretty stacked start list here of the defending Tour de France champion, Jonas Vingegaard. The defending Tour de France champ hasn't won the Dauphiné for a long time pre-COVID. A lot of other GC guys, though. Ben O'Connor, Landa, Bernal, uh, Hindley, last year's winner of the Giro d'Italia, Enric Mast, David Gadu, Carapaz, Adam Yates, Chicone, who missed out on the Giro. The whole host of GC guys are yeah. here as well. Some... Uh, a couple of sprinters, Grunewig and Bennett, trying to tune up. But yesterday's stage, Benji, was... I mean, it's just Grunewig and Sufferfest. They did this last year, right? It's these hilly stages. And then... Do you believe... Do you believe that old sort of tale of racing to get fit on parkour that don't suit you? Like, is he more likely to win a pancake flat sprint to Bordeaux in a month than if he'd done Brussels Classic like Damar? Well, I don't know, to be honest, maybe there's certain riders that prefer that preparation for a race than going on an extra altitude camp and so forth. But I would say that looking at the, the top teams, they usually do, do choose the altitude camp, then a race that fits the rider and then the proper preparation for the, the goal that riders are going to. So whether it's the right choice or not, they've done it last year. Did Groenewegen not win a, a Tour de France stage afterwards, but... I doubt that was flat. necessarily as a consequence <laughs> of um, of the preparation being in the Dauphiné and so forth. But it's also like the factor that I see missing is that you don't get to test your train that much if you go to races like this. Because the dynamic of your train, the dynamic with your sprinter and your pilot is sometimes what fails if you come together in the Tour de France if you haven't done it enough in the races before. But then again... The team that Grunewagen has around him has been around him for a year and a half now. So I would expect that they've got some chemistry already. That being said, we've got a stage here. We've got Dauphiné stage one. And the principle with these first two stages is that they're kind of those stages where if you take a look at the parkour, you're like, this fits the, the punchier sprinters. And this fits the, the potential breakaway riders if the punchier sprinters teams don't get along with each other, right? Yeah, exactly. And the breakaway, you had a really good chance yesterday and a strong break got in. Van Moor, Godon, who won Brabant's pale ahead of Healy. That result now looks a lot better as well after Liège and the Giro, as well as Rune Herrholz on Antimarche, who does like to get in the break on the opening stage of stage races, like Andalusia, which he won the first stage last year, I think. Um, 
And so that was a problem for Jumbo Visma. They got Laporte here, no Van Aert, which means it was all in for Laporte to go for the stage. There's talented French young rider Axel Zangler. Quick step of about four <laughs> options. Seneschal, but he's kind of gone by the wayside. Vernon's their best, like, pure sprinter. Alaphilippe, who knows what form he's in. And Bagioli was supposed to be good at these stages, but it hasn't really worked out yeah. for him uh, the last couple of years, I think, since that Tour de la uh, stage against Roglic in 2020. So it was, yeah, it was just a classic hilly stage and it was way more attritional than maybe some teams hoped for or expected. There was a, the breakaway got deep into the stage. Van Bala was controlling. Jumbo Visma were doing a lot of controlling. Kreuzweig came, brought the gap to seven seconds after Volta did magnificent work on the final climb, but then there's a descent to the finish. It was raining and Rune Herrhotz broke away from Godon and used the moto, used the rain, used risk, used his aero position, turned in yep. levers, which he has, and he brought the gap out to 15 seconds, and this was the closest run finish ever because Jumbo ran out of teammates. Van Hoydonk couldn't pull for that long in the last two Ks, and Vingegaard ended up putting Laporte on his back and did the lead out, and then I think uh, Tamino led out Stannard, the Alpsen team, and then, yeah, Laporte jumps and catches Herrhotz in the last 25 meters. So heartbreak for him, but a very, very exciting finish. And yeah, these things go both ways. Um, sometimes you, you make it and it would have been the best win ever, um, defeating the big, the big empire Yumbo, and sometimes you get caught. But are you surprised to see Vingegaard mixing it up, Benji? Doing the lead um, out? Maybe we saw, it? we saw last year that Roglic did it at the Dauphiné or worked a bit in the Dauphiné when it comes to the final workings to catch the breakaway but i didn't necessarily expect jonas Vingel to be the second last lead out man for laporte in these uh well spoilers first two stages because that's essentially the role he's had so far obviously he's here for gc but he's willing to give something back to his to his domestiques who will work for him at the twitter front so i kind of like that but i also fear for the danger that it brings i fear more when roglic does something like that because i still feel like roglic's crash probability is higher than that of Vingago, but hey, it's cool to see though. It's cool to see. I can't complain. But Herregots, man, I was so pissed. I was so pissed that he got caught. He deserved that so much. And it's also like he was almost caught on the climb before and to then yeah. continue onwards, keep fighting, even when they're literally 25 meters behind and get a gap again and benefit from the fact that those domestiques are gone. I love that. And then, then Godon runs away with the combativity. Oh, I, I'm done. I can't. I can't handle this. I mean, combativity's for losers, so you shouldn't <laughs> wish it on Herohots. <laughs> I think. Anyway, Laporte wins the stage ahead of Trentin, who led him out. Herohots third on the line. Zangler fourth. Van Hill's quite fast fifth. And then it's Baggio. You know, Baggioli seventh. Like, he's. you'd think he'd be quicker than Van Hill's, right? But he's not. Uh, right eighth, also not so quick in the groups. Stand of Nath Brenner 10th. Anyway, Laporte takes the yellow jersey, French rider in the yellow jersey. To be honest, not that much buzz in France. I think it is different him doing this on Yumbo compared to doing it on Cofidis or Groupama, unfortunately, uh, for him, but I'm sure he doesn't care because he's getting the W and winning anyway. The next stage, another similar stage from Brassac Le Mines to La Chaise Dieu, which I assume means the chair of the gods, seat of the gods, seat of <laughs> yeah. God, also known as my gaming chair that I sit on, up and down hilly stage, 170 Ks, 
finishing actually at a thousand meters of altitude and they do a circuit three times with a 1k seven and a half percent climb in it and then just it's just always up and down there's like no flat <laughs> and when i saw this and saw this finish even though yeah it's okay sort of three percent i was like there's no way bennett and groenewegen can win this okay they might get to the finish yeah but it will have been so hard before they won't be able to sprint and this actually looked like prime Alaphilippe of old territory. He won a similar stage in Toronto ahead of Van Aert and Van der Poel and Pogacar in 2021. But we, we haven't seen that. And we thought, are they going to go for Vernon? Are they going to go for uh, Bagioli, who they, he let out yesterday? Anyway, this is a stage, actually. It's interesting. This is like huge hindsight. But <laughs> don't you reckon this is such hindsight? Yumbo would have been more likely to win this stage with Van Baal competing against Cavagna in the break. Yeah, but that's... in yellow. You, <laughs> it's you ridiculous. you got to pull it back to the, to the pre-race situation where we don't know where Alaphilippe is when it comes to his form. Mm. We saw him riding a tiny bit in second, third position yesterday. And today we don't know who they're going to go for. So on paper, Laporte is favorite for the stage. Yeah, if he was. They go into it with the expectations at the end of last stage Laporte is favorite so it's completely understandable what Yumbo is doing in this stage I've actually I was actually more surprised the way Quickstep was riding the stage throughout the stage but we'll get to that we've got a breakaway that once again includes pretty strong riders like we said it about the previous stage Hergolds von Murenso in a breakaway Godon that's a strong breakaway but if we then take a look at stage two we've got Victor Campenarts in there he came back from his injury which which I swear he barely could walk like a few months ago. So it's good to see that he's back on the bike, that he's back competing at the highest level. Piccolo in the breakaway, your boy from EF, Kenny Elisonde, Jonas Gregard, and Nans Peter. So Pierre these Latour. are riders that can, um, yeah, and Pierre Latour, but every descent he's kind of like, every descent he's 10 meters behind. So I was considering the breakaway on the descent <laughs> here for a second. <laughs> anyway, you're right. He was in there. And um, basically that breaks ahead. Crash behind in the peloton almost instantly as the race is starting. And in there, Carlos Rodriguez on the floor, some random French riders, and also Steven Kruiswijk. And he actually ends up abandoning the race, which I don't know what the consequences are. Haven't seen anything when it comes to Kruiswijk, whether it's going to influence the Tour de France or stuff like that. But it's definitely a bummer for Jan Bovisma. And uh, have, have they brought something out when it comes to explanation? No, there's. I haven't seen a tweet or check, but yeah, I don't know. I also don't know whether because like if you break a collarbone or if you've broken something, there's not enough time to recover yeah. for the Tour de France. Um, and I already, I have my view on Kelderman. <laughs> I already had. I had that before that I thought yeah. Kelderman should do the tour, replacing whoever. I don't mind Ruler, but yeah, um, Kelderman the Volter first would. reserve. Volter looks good, yeah. Kaldemann and Walter are the two that could definitely replace people if they fall out of this group, I would say. Were you surprised to see it's Van Bala doing, and he did a good job of it the last two days, mm -hmm. riding against five-man strong breaks. Van Bala, with the help of Dave and Ines, but I would say Van Bala did 80% of the work, was chasing a group of five or six again today. Looking, He looks in good shape. Are you surprised it was him, not Van Hoydonk? I feel like they, they're, they're all switched around, as in, from what Bambala was doing for Ineos. Ooh, my lens just fell on my camera. Anyway, what Bambala was doing for Ineos versus what Van Hooydonk was doing last year for Jumbo, that seems to have switched around, where Van Barlet is now the 
Ryder that is doing the earlier work, while Van Hoordonk is now used a bit later, even though today he, he was used... good the last two days, frankly. I... I don't know. Was his lead like... out today on that 1k 7% as good as his lead like out? I it was too hard. Too hard, too short. I mean, when I compare it to his work in Paranese last year when he launched the three of them, now, I mean, maybe it's the same, maybe it's the harder stage before, but yeah, but maybe Van Bala doesn't have that, that real punch. Van Hooydonk mm -hmm. probably has better punch. I don't know. Van, anyway, maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> Frankly, Van Bala is just good <laughs> at it. Um, he could do it all day. And yeah, he rode on the front, kept the break at 45 seconds. And here's, maybe you wanted to discuss it, you tweeted about it, Benji. And I thought about it more as well. Don't you think Yumbo were doing the thing where Elisond is on 45 seconds in the break. We'll keep yeah. it in check, but we just won a stage. We're not going to bring it all the way back. We'll keep it close, but if you want to bring it back quick step, you have to help. I believe that Yumbo wanted the stage regardless. I'll be honest about of it. Of course. <laughs> so yesterday's stage, Yumbo Visma clearly wanted to throw everything at the fan to make sure, not at fans, but like at the race itself, to make sure that Laporte had the best chance of winning this stage. That was yesterday. And going into today's stage, Quickstep, in my opinion, should have gone with the theory, Yumbo is going to try and try everything at the race again. They're clearly controlling from the start, so let them do it. And if they give up last minute anyway, then you can throw your eggs in the fire and actually start working. But I feel like I was surprised at how much Quickstep is carrying races that they're not predetermined favorite for. Now, maybe they believe in sight that they are the favorite, but... Wouldn't you use the underdog position that you're in as much as you can? Yeah, and because I really like Devin Irons. I know he's like 45 years old, but like <laughs> he's in good shape. And I remember it's not too long ago in 2021, he was leading out Alaphilippe to launch him in the Tour de France opening stages to glory. Like, and he's so yeah, and Cavagna's not, Cavagna's, I dare say, overrated at this point. I know his climbing has been good, but in terms of, Adding value to wins. Yeah. Should have been in yeah. the break. Yeah, I mean, maybe... Exactly, I agree. I agree. He'd have a better chance in the breakaway then they don't have to chase. And it's kind of what Trek did, right? They got Tess Fazion. He's not a stage favorite. Get someone in the break. Okay, Kenny's not going to win. But, you know, um, anyway, what I was going to say, we forgot to mention Ethan Hader, unfortunately, crashed twice yesterday. He crashed first not injured and then he crashed again coming back on a descent with a new bike and he then crashed much more heavily and steve cummings said he's almost lucky he only broke a collarbone cummings interview said it was looked quite bad when they got there so he's unfortunately out and he was obviously a man for these first three stages yeah. and then the focus shifted to gc which again i'm i got a little bit of a critical hat on but can Ineos really not spare Frailer to go for today's stage, Benji? Like, is Bernal going to win this race overall? Like, they have four World Tour wins this year. You know, Alperson have more, Quickstep have more, Yumba have more, UAE have more. You don't think Frailer, is it really making that big a difference if he goes for a stage or not? He could have competed for it. I don't believe Frailer would have had a chance of winning this specific stage. I feel like he's got a bit of a sprint, but not to compete with the riders that end up finishing this stage mm. in the first three positions, for example. I expect, like, he's kind of like the Aramburu for me. I think Benefits he goes with the, the buyer move. Oh. 
possible, but I also felt from beforehand that if you are in the buyer move, you will need multiple riders yeah. to be able to make it in the first place. Anyway, anyway. we haven't spoken about the buyer move. <laughs> anyway, maybe you just didn't have the legs. Yeah. And maybe it doesn't feel good. So I'm just making things up. I'm just saying, I really, the way I view protecting GC in one weeks, I really like going for going for the stage as much as possible um, and have the GC guy, especially like, on an uphill finish, fend for themselves. For example, if, for example, Godou was here with a team that had Maduas in it. He's got to go. He's got to let Maduas go for it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, is Maduas here? I actually don't know. He is here. Yeah. <laughs> I bet oh, you fuck, weren't allowed fuck, to go fuck, for it. Fuck, fuck. <laughs> That's a great point then, Benji. Well done. Anyway. Um, the break gradually disintegrates, and this is the most bizarre thing. This was the day of cramps. Everybody cramped. First, Grandon has to go to the side of the road, get off the bike, he's cramping. Then Pierre de Latour starts cramping, and he backs himself out of the break with cramps. Then Castroviejo is cramping, and I <laughs> need him and, him and Martinez need to change their facial hair because it's confusing me. they both got the same facial hair. Fix it. One of you, one of you go with the soul. Oh no, Frailo's got the soul patch. Fuck. Anyway, Castroviejo is cramping. I'm like, why is it cramping? How is it? How hot is it? I mean, it's humid, but I don't know. I don't know what was in the air. It was. I've never seen three riders on three different teams. Once, one in the break, one in the back down of the break, one in the peloton cramp. A lot of riders cramping at the same time. Like I was already thinking about. Names we could use for the riders, like we did at Blawaza Belgium Tour when Campanards became Crampanards, but Crampo Viejo doesn't really sound as good, <laughs> I fear. <laughs> so, uh, La Cramp? That's actually a pretty good name. Pierre, Pierre La Cramp. La Cramp. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll continue <laughs> onwards. Those cramps happened, and like you said, there was a buyer move as the break was being called with 10 kilometers to go. Yumbo was on this climb called Côte de Guet, which in the peloton was a bit odd for me, what was happening there, because they catch the breakaway with Van Hoydong being a rider doing it. I felt like Van Hoydong's pull there, like I mentioned a bit earlier, was a bit brute to the point that he went off the front and Vingega and Laporte were like riding next to each other. I was like, fuck, where's the rest of our team? Where, where's Walter? Where, where's Benoit? And they were like on third, fourth row, but they didn't have the time or place to move up at that point. And yeah, in all honesty, buyer. The buyer jumps, and in this sort of period of no one taking control, it takes a while for Volta to move up with Benoit, and obviously they've lost a man with Kreuzweig, and Tobias buyer jumps, and he gets a good gap, nine seconds too, and it's like a really undulating uphill finish, and the steep section, it's just, you can tell, and Bennett, because of this lull, I think if Volta was there to slap it straight after Van Hooydonk, then Ben and Groner, they can drop there. But they don't. They're able to stay because that climb was done maybe eight, nine, ten seconds slower than it would have been otherwise. The speed by did it at. And so they're still in the group, but their teammates are tired. They're slipping positions in the group. They've still got nine, eight Ks of largely uphill to the finish, including a one kilometer, five and a half percent climb. It's being done full gas. And actually, it was done so hard, Benji, that. Um, like Volta pulled, Volta's been unbelievable, actually. Yeah. He pulled, he just got on the front, pulling super hard, pulled. Did he pull by back or, but no. 
uh, he pulled Bayer back for quite a bit, then Mano took over a tiny bit later. So they both helped bringing Bayer back, but I want to stand still for this uh, at this point for a second. And we saw when it comes to Walter there that wasn't this the guy that people were ignorantly stamping as a bad domestique when it comes to Strade Bianche? Because like, yeah. it's, it's kind of shocking, huh? Because we've seen since Tireno, since Gran Camino towards this race, that he's one of the... Is he Vingegaard's he, he is. He, when Vingegaard, you saw on camera, wants to pee. Volta, he says, Volta, and Volta gives him the push. We saw it. So what closer bond can you have? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe he is Volta's sidekick, but he's not on the tour, uh, tour shortlist or longlist or anything. So now how much can Volta really help in proper mountains? Because he's been good in, as, a, as you said, punchy stages, Gran Camino in Basque country, although he was very good in the break in the Ibar stage. But, yeah, he pulled back by a... But Yumbo looking thin on the ground again, and there's no way Vingegaard, if Laporte's going to get to the finish and not get swamped, Vingegaard's going to have to pull again. And EF are looking good. They've got Quinn here as an option, who's done well in a Dauphiné stage, third behind Wout, I think, in Hayter last year. They've got Carapaz. El Hagua's won a Giro stage that's very similar to this. Quickstep, I couldn't really tell who was there. I saw Alaphilippe in front of Seneschal, and Bagioli was pulling, actually. I've... I've erased Quickstep. Quickstep actually did take a lot of control and, and line this out in the last six kilometers, uh, more so than Jumbo Visma with Bagioli. So they, they reversed roles today. And then I don't think anyone else attacked. Maybe, anyway. Did anyone else attack? Or was it just EF Rider? Did you mention that? Ah, uh, yeah. So EF did a reverse lead out. Sean Quinn, because I got confused. I was like, Carapaz? Sean Quinn. I think it was Sean Quinn. <laughs> Yeah, jumped, so. and then Vingegaard has to pull him back the whole time. Vingegaard, I think, had already been pulling. There was they're still like on an uphill drag. Only the last two hundred and fifty meters is really flat. Bennett's sliding positions. Groenewegen's fully dropped at this point. Vingegaard brings him back. Haig has moved into second position, so the sun's come out over twenty degrees, and maybe Jack's feeling a little bit better. And he was there, I think. I reckon he was there in case it split. Honestly, I reckon Haig is feeling a lot better today. Laporte's on the wheel of Haig. He would have been grateful, actually, he was there. So he had someone that was six foot two to draft instead of Vingard to draft. And then Carapaz jumps. El Hagua jumps on the right-hand side. Laporte is caught flat-footed. He goes to sprint, nothing there. And then Alaphilippe masterfully gets into the slipstream out of Laporte, into Carapaz slipstream, jumps out and wins this sprint easily in time for the, what was it, the uh, Karma, Karma uh, post-up, very early post-up, as is his want. And yeah, two French wins in a row, but most importantly in the news of the day, Benji, Alaphilippe, this is what he, he was dominating. Like 2019, he would have been the favourite for this finish, not yep. Laporte. Certainly. And... While Laporte has been very strong recently, Alaphilippe back then was just crazy powerful on stages yeah. like this. And the steeper it would get, the better Alaphilippe would become against these punchy sprinters. So when it comes to Alaphilippe, it's nice to see that he's back on a level where he's going to be competing for to the front stage wins, because that's kind of what I was looking for when it comes to Alaphilippe. 
I want him to compete in the first two stages of the Tour de France in Basque Country. I want to see him fight for the yellow jersey with Van der Poel, with Vanard, with Binyam if he comes back to form, with Pitcock. Uh, those kind of riders are the ones I see fighting on those first stages. And I love that shit, seeing Alaphilippe back in form. He's got loads of criticism by, by Patrick Lefebvre as well in the last year. Now, maybe that was to motivate him. Maybe that was well, a bit over the top, in my opinion. But well, on that, isn't the this is what ha will happen, right? He, 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 he wins if he wins and he wins if Alaphilippe loses. If Alaphilippe yeah. was shit for the rest of his contract, oh, well, then the criticism was valid. Yeah. If Alaphilippe suddenly performs like today, oh, well, the criticism motivated him. It's yeah. like, well, maybe actually he was just going through a bad patch, crashed a shitload last year, had some exactly. personal problems, and it would have, he would have been back easier and maybe mentally a bit healthier if that criticism wasn't there. Or maybe it did motivate him. I don't know. I don't know the, the dynamics of their personal relationship. Yeah, I think it depends on rider per rider. Some riders might handle that well, that criticism, and some riders might not. And maybe Lefebvre knows which ones can handle that well and which ones don't. But if I was Alaphilippe, I would not handle that well. I know for me personally, if I was working somewhere and my boss was like, yeah, you're, you're performing so shit, man. Well, I'm looking to publicly. get rid of you, stuff like that. Publicly, in the media, well, I probably wouldn't, would just leave. <laughs> <laughs> He's under contract for a couple of years. Well, yeah. What I would do is I'd probably... What I would do if I was Alfred, you know what I would do? I'd win a stage like this. He's Because he's got 18 months left. I'd try win a Tour de France stage, yellow jersey. I'd sign a big contract at AG2R in 2025 yeah. for three years. And I'd do fucking nothing for 18 months. That's what I would do. So, yeah. <laughs> seriously. And that's yeah. a risk as well. Um, now, maybe... You don't get to be a professional athlete at that level without uh, just wanting to win all the time. Anyway, great to see him win. Carapaz also in great shape. He won Mont Ventoux Denevelle Challenge ahead of goal uh, the other week. So he's obviously coming into a nice bit of shape for the Tour de France, both on long climbs and not the best whilst there, it must be said, but definitely this sort of finish. Tesfatsi on a very, very nice third. I'm not sure if that's his best world tour result ever. I think it might be, uh, actually. In his career, podium of World Tour race. Laporte, fourth, he just didn't have it. Um, they came past him with more speed, and yeah. he waited too long to open his sprint and didn't seem to have it. Van Hills, another fifth, another top five. Standard sixth, Fred Wright, seventh, on the eighth. Brennan, ninth, so very, very similar to yesterday. Five through tenth, and then Chambersan, tenth. Bennett couldn't sprint. Uh, it was a bit too, too difficult for him. I'm just checking to see if anybody of note Lost time, Freyler lost time, so maybe what I said was pointless. Most likely it was. Van Poppel actually couldn't make the finish, nor could Seneschal, but he was probably pulling, neither could Vernon. Any Trenton didn't make the finish. He was actually working to help position Adam Jates. Mattis Mickles, I think a little bit disappointing for me. I thought, I mean, he's like 17 years old, but... <laughs> he gets younger uh, every time. We yeah, him. <laughs> I just thought he... I just hoped you'd be competing in these sort of finishes. I'm just checking to see UAE, Benji. Oh, no, Björn Gates, Micah, Groschartner all finished together. So oh, okay. they all had guys around everybody. Um, A nice stage, and it's nice how just these parkour look very similar, but with just a few tweaks. You do have largely the same top 10, but you have a different finish, different winner. I, I really like the first couple of stages. I actually really do. It's kind of like 
in all honesty, if a stage like this was in like week two of a Grand Tour, I probably wouldn't like it as much as it being in the first few days of a Dauphiné. But I feel like it's a gentle starter in the Dauphiné and the race will just ramp up and ramp up towards the end. And that intensity building is what I like the most. And the factor of yesterday, Gerhardt's almost winning, Laporte coming over, that, that drama that gets created. I love that stuff. And today with the, the resurgence of Alaphilippe, that's also lovely to see. So I, I love these kind of stages. It's fun to see every, every now and then to, to see stages like this. And it's also because the yellow jersey is on the line for this yeah. kind of stage. Laporte yesterday, Alaphilippe's now on the same time. So for tomorrow, that might matter. We don't know. We'll see that. But I do want to say... Credits to some youngsters in this race. For example, we spoke about Von Hills for a bit earlier there, Lotto Destiny rider. The last year, I think we spoke about him early on in the season where he did very good in Saudi Tour, where he won that race, which was kind of a, an out-of-nowhere performance in terms of didn't expect to see him perform like that in that race. And then he was kind of not that great for the rest of the season. He had weaker moments throughout. And I feel like this year he kind of stepped up in the sense that if we take a look at his 2023 calendar, he started off with good result in Oman again, nothing too crazy either. But then 7th in Amstel, uh, that's a good result. 8th in Flesh, 11th in LBL, that's top 12s in, in the entire Ardennes week. That's, that's really actually good. really good. He's a puncher. And then, he's a puncher. I did not know he could sprint as well as, he, as he's doing. Fourth on that. Um, San Feliu de Gijol stage that Rolich beat Remco in. He, yep. He's uh, he's and then fourth on the uh, the stage that Groves beat Cockard and Schelling. He's a he's a puncher. So yep. and even Oman when Ulisi won that stage, I think he was and Oman also was competing better quality there. this year than his Saudi last year. He's kind of super versatile in between the the climby bits and the punchy bits, and even sometimes can compete in the flatter sprints if the group is really thinned out. So. I like this rider. I like this rider a lot. 23 years old. Contract is running out at 2024. So he's still there for quite a bit. If you're Lotto Destiny, you want to keep this rider. If yeah, you, wanna, you should extend. If you want to have your quest towards World Tour, then this is a rider that you need. And there's a bunch of riders like that in Lotto Destiny. But back to the race itself. Any other things I want to mention? Well, did we mention that Maz lost time yesterday because he blew up in the last kilometer, he said? Yeah, he said he just didn't feel good in the last K and Vingegaard's pull dropped him, which on the flat, which is kind of crazy. Lander also lost 15 seconds. I'm not sure which of Marcel Lander lost 15 and 22 mm -hmm. seconds, but that's a significant amount of time. That's not just four seconds, especially in a one-week race we're talking here where you don't expect a Col de Grenoble type stage to happen. Yeah. So yeah, there's a, a TT, but people fight for every second in a TT and then you give away 15 and 22 on stage one. It's got to be a bit demoralizing, but hopefully Mars comes back. Obviously I, um, I'm a big Mars believer, but his record in French stage races is not too good. <laughs> I'm so hoping that changes London on the other hand. Yeah. That I'm not sure what happened there. Um, yeah. Otherwise <laughs> uh, stage is fine. Like did I think Fred Wright, was like a bit better on these finishes. Yes, I did. Um, but also I think he could have a much harder stage and he's a very versatile rider. Anyway, tomorrow's stage, quote unquote, the sprint stage, <laughs> it's being billed as 195 Ks from Monistrol-sur-Loire to Le Coteau. It is hilly, but not, there's a lot of, more of a flat section. So 
there's an opening false light hill for the first 10 Ks. Then there's a 5K 5% hill. Then it is hilly for the next hour or so. But then there is an actual flat valley of 60 kilometers where a breakaway can really get mowed into by some stronger teams. And yep. then there's the Côte de Pinay, which is 7.8 kilometers, 3%. The last K is 5%. So big ring climb. And then yeah. that's also 19 Ks from the finish. So given that Groenewegen and Bennett basically made the finish today, I really... <laughs> Groenewegen was barking. didn't. <laughs> They've got an hour and a half recovery before this climb. It's big ring. 19 k to the finish. The problem yeah. for them is the break. Like, shouldn't Cavagna or should Quickstep go for Vernon? I think you go Cavagna in the break and then keep Vernon as a saver for the sprint, right? I think so as well. I think that's the option as well because then once again, you're not going to the stage with the thought that you're you're having a, a potential winner of the stage. You're thinking as the underdog, which will benefit you because you're when you put Cavagna in the breakaway, you're basically making sure you don't have to pace behind, which makes sure that the other teams have to pace behind. While you have a second option, if the peloton doesn't make it, then you still have the riders necessary for Vernon in the sprint. So Vernon is their option for this stage, I would say. Flat sprint, you would expect him to do so. I'm not sure about Vernon against this level of competition yet, though, because we're talking about the Grunewagen and Bennett's of sprinters, who on paper will be the favorites for this stage. And you think they'll make it? I'd like it? to see it. You think the peloton? I think the peloton will make it on this one. No, no. Do you think the sprinters will? Those two will make the finish with yeah. okay legs. I think Grunewagen wins. I I agree. I tend to agree with you. And but Van Poppel and Bennett though, oh, good combination. Eh? Bennett's not in terrible shape either. Like he was there to sprint today. It's just too hard. Um, I think Yumbo should send Van Baler in the break, or honestly, or Laporte in the break. Um, I know that's completely outrageous, but <laughs> Groenewegen's quicker than Laporte. Like, if he makes this finish yeah. and Laporte doesn't have a Van Aert to lead him out, who will lead out the Laporte without the door to lead out Laporte? Um, so or they save energy for the mountain stages because they don't need to go for every single stage either. Van Baler in the breakaway. Or Van Hoedong. Or Benoit. They definitely won't be controlling. Jayco and Bora Hansgrohe will control tomorrow. Uh, I don't know. These guys. Who's a random person that can sprint? That's Who's here? a random? Marty's Mickles. Oh, Kokar's not here. Who did? Oh, Axel Zander. I don't know what happened to him. He was a bit disappointing today. Um, Stan Why is Alberson not here with a sprinter? Well, because they probably learned from... that. Because we... We explained it at the start. That's, I think, the reason behind it, right? That at the start we said, why are sprinters here? And now I'm saying, why is he not here? No, he is not doing a one-week hilly stage race, <laughs> dude. He's not he doesn't have anymore. To. Philipson's not doing a one-week <laughs> hilly... No, actually, Philipson would be really good in the last two days. I don't know. Uh, where is Van der Poel still? He's still a road rider. Where is he? <laughs> He's still a road rider. Jesus Christ! <laughs> where is he? What's Preparing he for to? the Tour de France, my man. He's raced thirteen days. Same with Laporte. He hasn't raced in. He hasn't raced in two months. 
Is How many right? races has Philipson done this year? It's also like 13, right? Thunderball hasn't raced for two months. Dude, he, yeah, he's doing, he's doing the Duracell Dwarves Doorhead Highland and Balwa's a Belgian tour. Um, <laughs> dude, Philipson and Van der Poel are doing Balwa's Belgium tour. Jakobsen so, too? You maybe in? they just want to do the laundry at home. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of understand it. And we discussed at the top of the show, like, I don't, I'm not a trainer. I don't know the benefit of. If I, I mean, Philipson and Van der Poel, they could actually win these stages uh, in this race. And there's no Cockhart here either, which is, you'd think, you know. Uh, I'm going to go with Ethan Vern and Benji. Just to okay. be a contrarian. I'm going to go with Sam Bennett because I trust Van Poppel. I thought you went with Gronewegen. I skipped. Sorry. True. Gronewegen doesn't have that last man and Van you Poppel's let the podcasts, too good. You let the podcast go on for too long. I've changed my mind. Okay. In the end, the breakaway has a really, really good chance. This could be the, remember the breakaway with the five, four French riders and Bagioli? This is really similar. This could be, everyone should be trying to get in the break. Harry Sweeney in the breakaway, please. Um, he attacked today. We forgot to mention that. I want to see riders. and sprint incoming. See here. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he's not fast. Um, Sweeney in the break. <laughs> okay. But he's not. He's not that fast, is he? Compared to Gronewegen. <laughs> Compared to Gronewegen, no, but he can top five the sprint. I mean, sure, yeah. Win a competitivity, congrats. <laughs> He's not French enough for that. <laughs> you speak French. Uh, well, on your team in... Milan Monte. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there any other news that we missed in the last week? We haven't because we didn't pod for a while. Any other news yeah. between Giro and Dauphiné? Well, between Giro and Dauphiné, I think on the women's cycling side, Charlie will side, who tested positive. Oh, yeah. At her AMB sample, if I recall correctly, for letrozole. Is that letrozole. the right name I mentioned? It's an RMOs inhibitor. Um, it's a banned breast cancer medicine. I'm not even sure they use it in medicine anymore. I have to check that. But yeah. Um, and it can be used to mask steroid use uh, as an inhibitor. So all the side yeah, effects the, of it. In Belgium, there is this huge drama because Tornard, some CX writer, was also called for that two and a half years ago or something and then yeah. got suspended or something for two year ban. For, for two years and they're he's still proclaiming innocence because of a contamination and i feel like the public is kind of on tonart's side in that thing i don't know enough yeah. about it <laughs> to know if that's rightful or not so i don't know what to think about this case either to be honest they share management so maybe yeah, yeah. I don't know. I haven't looked in his case whether he actually provided the contaminated supplement that had the letrozole in it. I doubt it. Um, but yeah, you know the golden rules of cycling. If you're South American, anything happens, you're fucked. Go back yeah. home. If you're not and you're from a Western country, people might look at you a bit more favorably. That's the rules of cycling. It has well, been the way forever. Is it more the language than the nationality because i feel like italian writers are also looked at differently than spanish i don't know maybe i mean there is something in that because you look at like wiggins right would the spanish yeah. public have treated wiggins like that no absolutely not no. or or the media there's no way i mean you look at contador he served a doping. He literally served doping suspension. Um, he's on Eurosport and happy days runs a team. And Wiggins, you know, had a parliamentary inquiry into um, 
what was it using the TUEs not being for a legitimate medical reason, which, you know, is fine too. I'm just, to your point, yeah, it is true. Different countries deal with it differently, but I'm saying the world tour and the broader cycling public, very much the reaction, not even to things like this, the reaction to people's results. Yeah. If someone comes out of nowhere and wins. Is Eastern European. If, they, if you're Eastern European, you're fucked. Everyone's yeah. going to call you it's, dirty. It's crazy. Um, well, not everyone, but more likely to. If you're from Australia or you're from America or something, it's like, oh, well, he's improved. He's, or you're from the, you know, <laughs> wherever, from English-speaking world. It's like, oh, it's great. He got his weight right off-season. Yeah. I mean, By the way, you've been talking about your improvements over the last few months. You're flying and so forth. But have we, ever, have we ever questioned whether WADA should be at your doorstep? Well, I'm not. I'm not on... Um, you're not on the watch list. Is that your excuse? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in the registered pool. <laughs> the only thing so I dope, dope is my my vocal cords with San Pellegrino and Vichy Catalan sparkling water, so I can spit hot takes <laughs> as much as possible. Maybe they I have too much sparkling water every day. I'm too amped up. Anyway, Lulu's back. I'm back on the bike too. Um, Paniagua, of course. And yeah, that's all from us today. Hope you enjoyed it. We're back for Dauphiné Stage Three tomorrow. It should be could be a sprint. Could be a breakaway. Nice little balance stage. And yeah, we'll have the recap for you then. Until then, ciao.